Today's episode is brought to you by Slater's 5050 and Tua T Fitness. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel podcast, the Jaws edition. Today we're talking about Jaws 3D. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. I am in Pacific Beach, uh, baking in the closet during the times of COVID. With me is my co-host, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Tom's in the tent. Tom, how you doing? Move the fish! (laughs) What's he saying? Like, I make the decisions, I sell the tickets... Move the fish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, as uh, previously talked about in our last episode, Jaws 2, uh, Jaws 3D, the 1983 film directed by Joe Alves, we both declare as a good movie. This is your favorite movie in the series. Yes. This is tr- there's a trend. This is the, the second uh, film series we've done. Yeah, <laughs> and in both of them, the third movie is my favorite movie. Well, for for the Superman series, it's inexplicable that your favorite's not <laughs> Superman too. For this series, you know, I might be wrong, Tom. I just might be wrong. Like I love this movie so much, and I was yeah. trying to separate my mind from my heart. My heart says that this is the best movie uh, sequel yeah. in the series. I just love everything about it. Um, you know, it's, it had a budget of twenty point five million. It made forty five point five worldwide, eighty eight million dollars. This is a respectable sequel, and I, yet I, it's I, constantly I, trashed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I understand the reasons why it might be trashed. I mean, nobody. There are wants plenty to of see- reasons. Nobody wants to see a disembodied, a disembodied fish head flying towards them while they're watching a movie. Minute one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a limit to the amount of dolphins you can watch in a movie. Correct. Uh, <laughs> even just <laughs> like, even the Universal logo when the movie starts, there was <laughs> something weird going on that was supposed to obviously well, be 3D, but like for me, it was almost seizure-inducing. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if we're starting with the problems of the movie, and that's fine. I think, I think the fact that you know this movie was was uh, shot as a three D movie, but is now unavailable in that format, is a big problem. I spent the majority right. of the movie thinking that one of my contact lenses had fallen out. <laughs> you can't undo that blurriness of the three D shooting it. At least not in the eighties, you couldn't. Um, right, and you know. Th- you have a, a number of effects that uh, you can only imagine how they looked in 3D. But uh, you know, when you when you when 3D is taken out of the equation, you're either going meh, or you're or you're going what? Right. Well, the, the, you know, the... it's, it's one of those two reactions. I will say the only one I will I will say is like is the best of both worlds, where it was obviously designed as a 3D image, but it works perfectly well in 2D cinema, is when the harpoon is fired I was just at the lens gonna of the say, camera. Yeah. That is great filmmaking. That was great, right? <laughs> Here's yeah, the interesting that, and... thing. Joe Alves, who I think was a production assistant in the first two movies, he gets the director's chair in this one. Jaws 3D, literally his only credit as a director. 
Mm. I'm also interested in the uh, the company that um, that provided the effects for this movie. It's a company called Private Stock Effects, which sounds like a very cheap, disreputable company that deals <laughs> exclusively in blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so, so for yeah. those of you that have seen Jaws 3D, you kind of know what we're talking about. If you're old enough to have seen it in the theater, I can tell you, Tom, I saw this movie at Man Theaters in Rancho Bernardo, oh, Theater you 3. lucky son of a bitch. And I got myself, for 25 cents, a can of Tootsie Rolls that turns into a piggy bank when you're done with it. And these things still exist. This is what I remember of Jaws 3D and my experience with it. And still, it's not your favorite movie in the franchise. What is wrong with you? Well, you're the franchise. You're including the original. Oh, that's true. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you you hold know, on you know, there, cowboy. This the, the those are the thoughts of a man who is working backwards from Jaws: The Revenge. Oh wait, cowboy. This is an interesting fact that's not in yes. this movie, but we I. Uh, failed to mention in Jaws 2, one of my favorite notes I made about that movie was that apparently the shark had a uh, saddle on it so that they could huh. so they could get point of view shots of the shark where you kind of see the, the nose of the shark. And so some guy would saddle up on the shark yeah. and take off. Well, uh, we also talked about how we see way too much of that shark in, in Jaws 2. And here I think they, they make the right decision and they, they turn it back into a, uh, a mysterious... Um, seldom seen villain um there's still too right. way too many do- there's still way too many dolphins to compensate but still um we we <laughs> we get the right you know we we they go back to the you know they, they go back to the original in spirit by uh by hiding the the threat for a good chunk of the movie yeah and it's really good that they do because it's the worst it's ever looked this prop it's the worst it will ever look the shark yeah Oh, I don't know. I, I think I. <laughs> I mean, it looks terrible, but yes. we'll be talking about Jaws four. I think yeah. that's the worst of the bunch for my money. Okay. Um, okay. Here's an interesting fact about the three D. The director didn't really want to do a lot of three D in it, and presented mm. a version of it with not a lot. And the studio was like, "What?" And they went back and shot like a, you know. So I'm sure like these shots of. Uh, the dragon and its tongue coming out when you go into the underwater sea, you know, right. thing. Those kind of shots, I'm I'm quite sure were added uh, after yes. the fact, you know. Well, it's a. I mean, one of the real strengths of this movie, uh, and it reminds me of Jurassic Park. You know, they had these, they had this new technology they wanted to show, and the perfect setting for something like this is a theme park because the, you you can. You can play up these effects, these gimmicks in a theme park, and it doesn't look kind of artificial because you get these kind of pleasures, these scares, um, these these spectacles. Um, you know, uh, so setting it in SeaWorld. Um, I loved the SeaWorld setting. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's great. It, it, I mean, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating watching it now, given what we know what has happened since with SeaWorld. Uh, right. it's, hard not, it's hard not to think about Blackfish when, you know, there's a dolphin that's trapped and a shark dies in captivity. It's difficult to, to like, 
to separate that from what we know about <laughs> yeah, the, the controversy surrounding uh, SeaWorld's treatment of wildlife. And the damage they're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, SeaWorld, the, 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 the main one is right here in San Diego, although I believe this is the Florida SeaWorld that we're dealing with. It is, yeah. yeah. It's the Florida SeaWorld. But, you know, even, like, to your point about the blackfish, even when you see Bess Armstrong as Catherine Morgan... You know, when you first meet her, you meet her on top of Shamu and you yes. see that fin <laughs> bending over and you think, oh, that that poor orca is sad, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's I wonder. I mean, sea, SeaWorld obviously agreed to, to have their trademark, uh, you know, allowed to, to film on location, use their trademark. They had a liaison that's listed in the credits between the company mm-hmm. and, and the, the producers of the film. But I I don't know about you, uh, Mike. But um, would you want to go to SeaWorld after seeing this movie? <laughs> I mean, clearly I probably they probably would. <laughs> they, oh, okay. Well, they, well, I think I'm you can a go, foolish, like, foolish man, though. <laughs> I think this this movie is either vastly overselling SeaWorld, uh, so you know, it would either result in disappointment, or you'd be too scared to go. I think I think either way, this is an advertisement. I do think it was a SeaWorld fascinating idea that SeaWorld said, "Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, by all means." Because there's a lot of negative. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that it's it seems to be run like a Nazi cult. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you know, I, I guess that didn't really bother people in the '80s too much. Yeah, um, not as much. As indeed, it, yeah. as indeed it doesn't now. But uh, I, I just, I, I you know, I, I sort of thought, well, would this, would this make me want to go to, to SeaWorld? Would this make me afraid of SeaWorld? Would I get to SeaWorld and think, okay, where are all these underworld, underground, underwater tunnels that I've been promised with the skeletons and the, you right. know, I, I, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting bit of product placement. I it's think. certainly uh, a fascinating place to set the movie, uh, regardless of what. SeaWorld was thinking by agreeing to it. Um, it's one of the things I really love about this movie, in addition to um, just the idea of keeping the Brodies a central part of the story. Absolutely. Um, 100% agree. I think it's a great piece of writing that's being done. Yes. Um, I think they talk about um, where they grew up just enough. I think they reference yeah. the things that happened to them just enough. His brother goes yeah. to school in Colorado. You know, the line yeah. is, uh, remember that shark attack I told you about mm-hmm. when I was a kid? Well, that's why my brother lives in Colorado. That's literally all you need to understand more about this man who's yeah. now going to be stuck in water with sharks and a woman <laughs> he's in love with. <laughs> yeah, th- there's, a, there's a genuine sense that we're working through the psychodrama of uh, Jaws 2 here. That right. it, it matters in a way that, you know, going back to, to our other, to our, you know... Uh, our last episode, Super, nothing in Superman 2 affected Superman 3. Right. Um, but here, yeah, it's, it's a continuation of the story. I mean, there's a major bit of recasting of both Mike and Sean Brody. Um, we, we have, you know, Dennis Quaid, who is kind of leaning towards stardom as Mike Brody. Very yeah. helpfully, he wears a name tag with Mike Brody on for a good chunk of the movie, <laughs> which really helps Just you. Just so we're not lost. Just because he, he, he in no way resembles either the actor who played him before or who will play him later. Later, right, exactly. Uh, so so this, um, and Sean seems way too old. 
physically for the for the kid that we last saw in Jaws two. Um, but time you know, has passed, Tom. Time has but n- passed. Not, en- not enough time, and you know, <laughs> if, if we're going if we're going by realism. But um, so that's that's a bit of a problem. But yeah, they do. They they uh, they talk back to Jaws two in a way that's very very satisfying. But like you say, um, it's not. Uh, excessive it's, it doesn't it doesn't slow down this movie in any way with exposition they do they do a, a nice little beach scene where they get all the exposition out yeah in in, in a few minutes um and it, it's really nice it is a pro i think it's a shame that they they don't follow up with sean at the end of the movie uh, like we don't really get a sense of whether he gets over. right. Yeah. <laughs> just... He's left in limbo. He's left in in shark believe, fear limbo. Believe me, for believe the audience. me, believe me. Jaws: The Revenge gives us the answer, but um, <laughs> in a dramatic fashion. Oh, yeah. But still, first, um... first three minutes. <laughs> first three minutes. Yeah, he's a goner. But uh, it's yeah, I, I I agree. I think I, I I'm like, oh okay, so Jaws two matters. It's not like we're just doing different for different sake right um uh which i like and there's I really I, you know that. so you know we're talking about the things we like the things that work um you you mentioned the fish head that <laughs> appears in 3d 3d i mean this movie in that way kind of announces its pr- uh uh a uh, uh, <laughs> presence of authority really quickly like uh, i i the, love the, the chomping I, yeah. of that head fish and then the red on black jaws lettering that is separated by jaws teeth that comes together to announce jaws 3d uh yeah and it's kind of delicious deliciously delightful you know i think one of the reason that that one of the reasons that 3d keeps coming back and yet at the same time just can't work for all movies Mm -hmm. is that um it's there's no room for subtlety yeah. You know, very early on in the movie, we have a 3D model of a 3D model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a three, a, 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 a 3D model of the park filmed in 3D. So this is like, you know, you just have to come out of the gates all guns blazing. The disembodied body fish head. I think I wrote in my notes that, you know, um, without the 3D or maybe even with the 3D, this is an unsuccessful effect. But I just love how bullish and weird it is. I love the fact that I'm staring at this disembodied fish head for so long. A really long time, yes. Yeah. And then and it's you followed know, you... by, you know, you're introducing sort of the park and the idea of SeaWorld. And this woman is, uh, you know, training the new recruits. And she says, uh, you know, the thing that's most important here is neatness, courtesy towards others. And above all, your southern grace. Yeah. <laughs> And she she also says uh, we've got the quote written here. If you um, if you show any cheek, you'll be back shoveling French fries. Yeah, exactly. So we've got this kind of like conservative reaction almost against the kind of uh, the the permissive sexual permissiveness of the first couple of movies. Right. You know, because um, uh, that that you know metaphorically that's what those sharks were feeding on was that sort of like teenage horniness. Um, <laughs> They were and here it's it. like, and you, you know, here it seems it's like, okay, so we're not going to do that now. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about, you know, the kids growing up into responsible adults. And I'm just amazed how Mike has got his act together. He's he's he's. Not, I was like, okay, so he got a job at Seagull. That's pretty good for a kid who wouldn't even get a summer job in the last right. movie. Yeah, <laughs> who was so but lazy. Then, 
but then it's revealed. Then it's revealed. He's like the the kingpin of this park. He spent two years building the whole like, thing. Design, building the whole thing, and he's in a relationship. He's in, he's in the, the and a the good mo- relationship. That's another thing I love about this. Zero movie. conflict in this relationship. Zero tension. These these guys were, born but they to be like together. acknowledge that they have problems, acknowledge things they have to talk about. You know that this idea that it's a perfect relationship is is not true. Like they, you know, he's going to go to Venezuela. Is she going to go with him? Is he, you know, going to not take yeah. the job? There are these things. I, I I it always struck me even as a kid when I was watching this movie. Um, wow, they seem like they really like each other <laughs> and yet there is there is this great character consistency whether it was intended or not that the brody kids are still fucking liars and manipulators yep <laughs> yeah those brody children sure are pieces of shit we're gonna get into more jaws 3d right after this we'll be back look people we're living in strange times we know that don't we of course we do People don't even know what to do with themselves. We're getting stir-crazy. Well, get outside and get yourself some great food, I say. You need to go to Slater's 5050 and Point Loma's Liberty Station. It's time to treat yourself to booze, to beer, to burgers, and more. They have their full menu, people. Their full menu, I say. How many restaurants do you know that are doing that? Most places are doing a quarter of their menu, probably. Some might be doing a half. Maybe a few have got three quarters of a menu. But Slater's 5050 has their full menu, including their signature 5050 patty. It's half ground beef. It's half ground bacon. It's 100% delicious. What more could you possibly ask? Worried about social distancing? Well, it is in place, people. Tables are separated, and the staff will always be seen wearing masks. You're out of excuses. Get off your keister and come on down to Liberty Station's own Slater's 5050. Indoor dining available. Outdoor dining available. Bring the family. Bring your dog. Come enjoy the normal again. Good day to you. I said good day. And we're back. We're here uh, talking about Jaws 3D. Uh, what I'd like to talk about right now with you, Tom, is the idea. One of the things I love about this movie is this idea of two sharks. Ah. Uh, none of the other films in the series do this. This is fantastic to me. I love the idea of baby shark and mama shark. <laughs> the only female antagonist shark, apparently. You know, they, all the others are guys. That's really interesting. I never put it together. So that's probably a copyright claim for the baby shark people here, right? <laughs> there you go yeah yeah it's, it's the washington nationals are all over it so um I and mean, we we talked in the previous movie how how jaws the 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 kind of um the revenge seeking shark um mm-hmm. was sort of set up this idea that this shark was following the brodies was somewhat set up in jaws 2 or at least the possibility yeah. was entertained and here and it's not directly talked about here but there's yeah. this idea of you know mike brody saying are you kidding me like with my family everything you know yeah so the- everything that's happened to me they're killers <laughs> yeah they're mur- he says they're murderers but also the murderers you know, yeah. we establish the fact that sharks you know can do want to take revenge uh, because the, a shark dies in captivity at uh, at SeaWorld. The baby shark dies in captivity. Yeah. Um, because seemingly they put it in a tide pool where people put their hands in. 
for for which is yeah very strange. I, I've been to I've a, been to a, SeaWorld. A tiny I know exactly where that part of SeaWorld is, and you can totally put your hand in there and have like a fish eat the dead skin off your hands. So that shark would just kill whoever <laughs> was anyway. Um, and so the mother's taking revenge. So we're already getting this idea that the sharks are uh, the sharks do take things personally, uh, and that they they that the mentally they can make the jump of. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get revenge for you killing my child. Uh, yeah. Because it, it, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, I'm gonna attack someone as they're killing the child. This is after the fact. They're, they're like, they're <laughs> right. coming in like Rambo style, you know, Rambo, Rambo Last Blood style. They're, they're, uh, you know, literally under, under, underground. Right. <laughs> The other thing that uh, always is kind of delights me about all the Jaws sequels is that these sharks are never not hungry. Yeah. Including after they've just eaten. It doesn't matter how much they've eaten. You know, there's this fantastic scene. It's a completely absurd scene where these two guys are um, trying to steal coral. (laughs) (laughs) This scene scene baffled me. I had no idea what was going on. But you don't know what they're doing for like the first five minutes that they're there. You're just thinking to yourself, what the hell are these two clowns doing? And then they announce that they're stealing coral. Yes. I love that you know that one of them says something. This is the best coral in the world. Like you could get two hundred bucks for, right? <laughs> but they don't say for how much. And but in that scene, you know, this shark like eats a light, eats one man, eats another man, and then eats their raft. Right. <laughs> I mean, this shark is hungry forever. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's interesting to me. Like uh, midway through the the film is very conflicted about. Uh, the sort of animal rights conserva- conservationist aspects of, because the initial idea is is, yeah. is we we keep the shark in captivity because we want to save it, we want to study it, um, and you know by the end of the movie they're just blowing sharks to smithereens. So there's a <laughs> well, that's the thing too is there's this there's this strange argument between. Um, and it's not even so much study. Like, she wants to study yeah. it, obviously. Bess Armstrong's character wants to study it. Um, but the way she convinces them is, look, like, we can, you know, keep talking about it. We can uh, be feeding it. We can be nursing it back to health. And you can constantly get pictures. It'll just go on for years and years and years yeah. and years. Completely ignoring the fact that even at this time, Everybody was saying you can't really keep a shark, a great white in captivity. Right. Well, I mean, you know, SeaWorld took a long time. In work, real life, but... SeaWorld took a long time to get that message anyway. So that's not yeah, unrealistic. But putting that aside, you have the other side of the coin, which is, um, uh, oh, what's his, what's that character's name? I'm going to move my notes just so I can remember. It's uh, Philip. Philip Fitzroy. Yes, Philip Fitzroy. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk I love about that him. He says they die magnificently. Cool. <laughs> like how many great whites has this guy killed? Yeah. So so he's there with his uh with his cameraman who is a uh yeah. yeah I think he's supposed to be South African. Um the actor is actually Jack Tate British um is the character. Played a lot yeah. of gangsters in British uh British movies. Um You would know him I, I assume better than I would. Yeah, yeah. Um he's in the long good But I love them both in this movie. I love their relationship. Yeah. I love like I love everything about these two guys yeah and and it's except that they seem to be on murderous rampages of all sea life but yeah it's it's a really it's it's a really sort of strange 
um, they're, they're set up very early and then they kind of disappear. Another great thing that, that, uh, that I, I like, and again, this is the sort of, I think this movie, um, has a lot that then Jurassic Park would then follow up with, actually. I think it's, it's very, um, it's very influential on Jurassic Park, uh, which of course is Spielberg. Mm -hmm. I mean, Spielberg would have have seen this movie for sure. Um, or, or, or some of it. Um, <laughs> before he was like, no, 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 no. Um, but uh, we get it. We something happens late on in the movie where uh, the shark opens its own cage yeah, to escape, and it reminded me of the velociraptors in uh, Jurassic Park who learn how to open doors. So we're actually yeah, the, we're at- the mother shark is just super smart. She knows to sit in a filtration pipe. <laughs> And not move forward, but just, you know, open her mouth and let, let you know. Also, you know, so there's this idea of she's just sitting in the in the tube and letting water come through her gills. But also in all the Jaws movies, these sharks seem to be able to swim backwards an awful lot, right. which I'm not sure is a thing. <laughs> I think I think we're getting, you know, like this is this is a, um, a jump the shark moment of. Jaws is the you know when yeah. when the once the once the cage is that once the shark has released itself in the cage as in Jurassic Park you know when it's impossible luckily it's laid on in the movie but after the point where the Velociraptor opens the door um, you can't take anything else seriously uh, and right. and this it's the same here but it's just interesting to me that those two movies have pretty much identical scenes and they're both kind of Spielberg connected movies. But so, but you know, if you're watching these movies in succession, which I think is totally the best way to do it. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Jaws, the, the, you know, when you start Jaws, the revenge with this idea of this, this, uh, this shark that can think uh and and you know go into waters well it's not so much well, we'll yeah get into yeah that, but I'm but sure, it's this it's it's got this episode, highly but... evolved sense of uh revenge and you know hyper focused yeah. it's like well the, the last film did kind of set that up really yeah uh, it's it didn't come out of nowhere <laughs> but it is loot i can't disagree but in and in and of itself it is uh it is ludicrous um and we need we nearly so get a kind, all the kind of we need to get a kind of um, Godzilla style shark versus dolphin moment as well in the movie. Which yeah, is... there's a little, a little sticking of the uh, of the nose and in, into the shark's gills and saying, "You stop that! That's my friend." It's trying, yeah, it's trying to, you know, and it's it's uh, it's throwing in a lot of good sequel stuff, uh, just kind of trying it all out within the within the vehicle of this theme park. You know where where mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because I feel like they do ring the theme park thing out really yeah. well. Like I mean, they you know the water skiers are attacked, <laughs> uh, bumper boats are attacked. It's there's a, there's a great there's a man-made beach which everyone has to clear at one point when the shark gets in the water. Yeah, and so you have this this kind of really st- come hell or high water too. Like you're gonna get punched off that beach if you have. To. It's like a really you know like it's <laughs> it's this weird sort of reenactment of of the the similar scenes from the previous two movies when the beaches you know had to be cleared, but it's a man-made beach in a theme park, which I think is hilarious, and that sort of gets right. that gets to the root of how this film came into being. Because because, like, the original idea was that this would be a parody. Uh, you know, they they yes. wanted the original. The producers of the movie wanted this to be a kind of Superman three self spoofing. No, it was it was it was even beyond. Yeah, even beyond that. Yeah, beyond that. I, I, I have it in my notes here. Mm-hmm. 
The original title to this movie was going to be National Lampoon's Jaws 3 People Zero. Yes. That's how silly they wanted this movie to be. And there be. are remnants of that. I think when they're, when they're clearing the, the man-made beach, that was, I thought, this is the closest that this movie comes to fulfilling the original vision of this yeah. film as a spoof of itself. Interesting, uh, interestingly enough, this uh, this is the highest grossing 3D movie until Spy Kids 3D. That's a long time. It is. Uh, you know, I, I, I get that, you know, so much of this movie is sold on the fact that it's, uh that it's 3d and um so the like the first big wave of 3d is the 1950s and this was like the second the renaissance of that sort of a wave yeah you got and then then we friday the 13th part three you know there's a lot of that there was you capitalizing on the on the on the third movie in the franchise to make it 3d um so it's i i i can totally get i you know i look at that and i think yeah that would that would look great in 3d as it is a little strange um yeah. so I, I can totally understand why uh you know it's a new technology and you know we made the same mistake a few years ago where we were like 3d is back you know and then we realized it can only apply to a small handful of very carefully tailored movies yeah. uh, you know here's one thing i keep wondering about this movie they do so much stuff they try to save people they hunt the baby great white shark they're doing this all at night. Yes. So much more difficult to see underwater at night, even if you turn the lights on, you know? There's a, going uh, back to those two guys, those two shark hunter photographer guys. Yeah. Um, Fitzroy. Fitzroyce and uh, Mustache. Mustache Man. Um, <laughs> and Mustache British. <laughs> mustache British. Uh, it's just... Hang on, I've got it here. What's this? Jack, Jack Tate. Tate. P.H. Moriarty as Jack yeah. Tate. Yeah, and I, I, it's... You know there there are so, this this the screenplay is actually pretty good, co-written by Richard Matheson um, of Twilight Zone fame and I Am Legend fame. Yeah. So it's pretty it hangs together pretty well. But you introduce the, the same thing happens with Lewis Gossett Jr. You introduce them, the film forgets about them for long, long periods of the film, and then they suddenly appear in these crucial, critical moments. And this all yeah, but he's so fantastic, you can just like yeah, you know. You you can survive underwater on one scene of Lou Gossett Jr. for you know for easily thirty minutes, he, not a problem. He has he has the <laughs> that's how amazing he has the he best is. introduction of any character in these three movies. Seen just watching uh, people on jet skis uh, yeah. through binoculars and laughing with no indication of who this man is or what relationship it is to the movie. Right. He's just this, I'm watching things through binoculars kind of guy. We were referencing earlier his line about, about who he is and who he is to the park. When, and the line, I have the full line here. Look, I run the park, I sell the tickets, I make the decisions, move yeah. the fish. Just in case you hadn't figured so that good. out by this point. Um, and there's an, there's an alarm, you know, and, and there are, you know, there's some political problems with this film beyond the um, conservationist stuff. Uh, there's a moment in which Lewis Gossett Jr. Um, turns to someone in the control room and says, listen, nephew. Yeah. And I, so I'm thinking, you know, we're back at a time when if, if a black person is prominently cast in a movie... But he really separates Neff from you. Yeah. <laughs> if, Sorry, go if ahead. If a black person is kind of cast prominently in a movie, you have to... then, then two, If two more than one black person is cast prominently in a movie, they have to be related. And I just think that's awful. 
right. they make the same mistake in Jaws of Revenge as well. But it's just, I just like, it's like, there is no, Louis Gossett Jr., first of all, you know, it's, he's abs, he transcends race. He's a phenomenal actor. Everything. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, we don't need to, to even talk about the fact that, that he's an African American doing all this. It should have been a silent, con- you know, it should, it, it, it's a non conversation. And they make it into a conversation. Well, I'm thinking, oh God, that's so, such a shame. Right. And I kind of equate it to my idea of of Terrence Stamp and Superman, too. Like, you know, I think there's plenty of things in this movie that I just love and is great. But to me, like this movie, as little as he is in the movie, it stands on the broad shoulders of Luke Gossett Jr. just being amazing in this movie, yeah, you know, re- really. Um, and he, he's the idea. He's that, kind of that, in his own movie. Everybody was in danger yes. <laughs> during trying to get the great the, the great white baby. And he said, do we get the film? Yeah. And, and and they say and Dennis Quaid goes, hey, Calvin, I'm fine. Or no, he says, you know, Philip's fine, yeah. Catherine's fine, the crew's fine, I'm fine too. And then he finally says, is everybody okay yeah. down there? <laughs> it did look pretty scary, you know. I mean, like you just get such a great sense with as little as he's given, like everything about that character, yeah. and he's fantastic. And you and the line, you talking about some damn shark's mother. <laughs> Is like an all-time great line. It's fucking amazing. I love. Yeah, that. he he hucks towards uh, Sam Jackson in uh, in Snakes on a Plane. I think he's got those kind of like. Here's yeah. what this movie is about in one line. Um, and that's the thing. He knows exactly what this movie yeah. is. Um, right. And I think I think the acting is is phenomenal. Uh, even though he looks nothing like Mike Brody does or will, Dennis Quaid is excellent. He's in that kind of... Yeah. I mean, I know they're in Florida, but he is seriously sweaty in this movie. And I think of him as a very sweaty <laughs> actor. I think of Inner Space. And there's a drunk scene where not only is he drunk, but he's covered in sweat. And it's just... I, I just think that's a... You know, it's, it's such a great star performance in this. Uh, Leah Thompson, who, you know, will go on to be... Sequ- Might be her debut. Yeah, I think it was her debut. And she'll go yeah. on to be sequel royalty. Um, right, but here she is in this like, uh, and so it's it's a it's a star maker, and you know Louis Gossett Jr. Oscar winner, um, so it's it's a star making film in lots of ways. They all they all uh, come out of this very strongly. Agreed. Well, we're gonna although take although one I short do believe break. just as a, a kind of trivia note, uh, Dennis Quaid was once asked about this movie, and yeah, his, <laughs> I know this. He line. said, "I I was in Jaws what." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was in Jaws. What now? But that doesn't show on screen. He he's it's so great. He's really commanding the screen. All right, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we're gonna come and wrap up Jaws 3D. We're gonna talk about the ending. We're gonna find out whether or not Tom loves it or hates it. Right after this, stay tuned. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out To A T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. To A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. 
You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back. We're here uh, talking about Jaws 3D at the Everything Sequel Podcast. I'm Mike Schantz. This is Tom Stewart with me. Tom, let's talk about the end of Jaws 3D. Hmm. Which one? The shark attack end. (laughs) Okay. So uh, there's a... First of all, they have to... um, they, they return to a, a plot point that clearly the screenwriters had forgotten about, or the filmmakers have forgotten about, in which that there's a bunch right. of people trapped in these underwater tunnels who we forget <laughs> about for a long time, to the point where I, I just assume that they've been rescued off screen by this point, and then they find out they're still there. Um, the mm-hmm. uh, Philip Fitzroyce, is it? goes inside the shark and, and well not exactly i mean inside. he gets eaten and his no. torso is stuck okay. in his teeth oh that's right he's so so yeah, we think he's, he's, he's yeah, uh, totally holding that. a grenade uh, but uh, the other funny part is like yeah. you can just clearly see like a hand made out of clay or whatever it is holding that grenade on a close-up yes. shot which is really funny so essentially what happens is the uh, Mother Shark gets loose out of the filtration pipe. Fitzroyce is dead. There's a great scene, but, uh, you know, his partner, Jack Tate, you know, emoting about his the death of his friend, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Brody, meanwhile, is trying to fix the uh, pipes outside of, of the amusement park uh, attraction so that these people can get out. And then the shark comes for him and Bess Armstrong, who is uh, watching his back. And they have to get back to the control room. My favorite, maybe not my favorite part, but a part that I just find hilarious is uh, the shark putting its teeth somehow in the door. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, It's, we, yeah, and the combination of this, uh, I think the filmmaker said, let's let's put all of our worst ideas in one scene. Slow motion, 3D camera, right. glass breaking effects, all happening simultaneously. Um, and, you know, I, I, I approve, I think that's this idea of like the camera is breaking. Right. As well as the. And then well so the, the shark, the, the shark that's, that's, is that's good. Uh, so fierce that it goes through the glass and the room fills up with water. Luckily, uh, Bouchard can save his, uh, not his nephew, but, but <laughs> his nephew's a goner, but he saves the woman, um, and he gets out. Um, one thing we haven't talked about, and we can talk about with the death of his nephew, is uh, this is the most violent in the series. You see plenty of blood when uh, shark attacks happen, and then you have the added effect yeah. of the crunching of bones. And that is prominent throughout the mm. movie, and and the and the explosion of the shark, which it's like a level of gore, hilarious is, is what you know, it is, <laughs> uh, kind of 
on par on par with a slash you, you know pause, it's like a slasher movie suddenly yeah there's so much pause, gore and, and then body like parts. kind of slow motion ahead you will see that part of the shark's entrails are actually a leather et doll like the legs of a leather ET oh doll. that's great and i remember as a kid like with well, seeing that, the that, 3d yeah. i was like I mean, if you're going to blow stuff up, like, why doesn't it just come right out of the screen? That would be so cool. And then they do it in Jaws 3D. Yeah. And even, you know, as an 11 or 12 year old, I remember thinking, oh, that's why you don't do it, because it looks like shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but again, you know, like, I just think about the, I think, the grandiosity of that. I mean, the shark explodes in a way yeah, that's exactly. like the Death Star from Star Wars. It, it's like it, it really is like this is a, this is a big moment you know we were talking about uh one shark and then it's amazing how the jaws of the shark line up right. exactly in front of the camera <laughs> and again he like, sticks perfectly. his head right in the window um, and uh, doesn't seem to need to move forward to survive right. he's just going to stay stuck in the window they have these terrible shots of the shark outside the window just seeing everything but his head and but, yet for me yeah like, this scene still okay. works, and I think what sets it, like, what makes yes. me hold my breath in that scene more than anything is the quick cuts that are going on, for, you know, in the editing and from the director, and then also the music. The music is just, like, heart-pumping mm. by the time that shark blows up. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it, it ratchets it up in a way that, for me, is just fantastic. Like, I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a movie that's as extreme as this needs to have that kind yeah, of... Yeah, for some reason, the silliness, the nonsense, like the, the real serious uh, absurdity, yeah. for whatever reason, works for me. Like, it just, it's like it belongs there. Yeah. And I think the, the big, the mistake is sort of like, I mean, I guess you've got to see what happens to these characters, but... Uh, uh, Brody surviving, and then you are know we, okay. we need to make sure that the dolphins are still okay. And it's like uh, you know I don't I don't care about those <laughs> dolphins. I really don't. <laughs> In general, I like yeah. dolphins, but I don't care about these dolphins. You you, you weren't you these, weren't along these, uh, for, for you know. the conservationist theme of Jaws 3D, and the last shot of yes. Well, I just I just didn't. Frame. There are moments. There are moments in these films that are so dolphin heavy that I, I could have been watching an episode <laughs> of Flipper. And so, and and, uh, and probably the, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, this is a, a big claim. We're probably one of the worst three D effects in the movie is saved yeah. in the final shot of dolphins midair flying in, you know, like do flying in midair and doing tricks and it just i can't even tell that that it's like is that a seal or is that a dolphin what is that and so it's a bit of a damp squib to sort of end the movie on after you've had rousing this, good time i would say um this extraordinary this extraordinary cascade of body parts flying at the camera in um but let's yeah, no, it. I, this I mean, movie's fucking uh, great ladies and gentlemen jaws 3d go is. check it out if you don't like it by all means, get your head checked. This movie's fantastic. That's it for Jaws 3D. My name is Michael Schantz. With me, as always, is Tom Stewart. Uh, next episode, coming up, Jaws the Revenge. You ready, Tom? I certainly hope so. We'll see you next time.